This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here and the new edition of the We Spin Recipes podcast. Today, my guest on the show is Jeremy Vrango, the founder of JTV Digital. And uh, my friend, I'm really excited to have Jeremy on the show. He's uh, a very experienced in the music industry. And I will ask to introduce himself right now to share a bit more on the background. But first of all, hello, Jeremy. Hello. Hi, Andrew. Hi, everyone. Yeah, so let's do a short introduction. So my background is, uh, well, I started uh, like a little bit more than 10 years ago in a startup company named uh, MusiWave in Paris. We were doing some um, mobile music, so ringtones, all that stuff. Then it progressively evolved to uh, full track music and the company was working for major labels and uh, yeah, online service providers to create uh, music services. Then I moved to uh, Universal Music, uh, where I spent something like seven years. And I was in charge of uh, managing different projects over there, doing a lot of coordination from different people located in different countries. So the, the focus was uh, the digital supply chain. We were managing, centralizing all the digital supply chain for Universal Music. So designing the systems. We were acting as a support for uh, all the operating companies, dealing with uh, delivering content to the retailers like uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, and so on. And yeah. And then, yeah, I moved and created my uh, own companies, a company named JTV Digital, was primary, primary um, activities, uh, digital music distribution. But it's not the only one uh, the this is not, direction. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not the only one. But, well, the main one is distribution. I also do a little bit of publishing for a very restricted number of uh, artists and bands. And uh, recently started some uh, licensing activities, trying to find some um, synchronization opportunities for these artists. And uh, also, yeah, sometimes we do a little bit of consulting, helping people with their social media strategy, web design, and so on. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, different things. And yeah, so something like, not that I don't want to sound biased, but I've been working with you for a while now, and uh, I really like the approach of the company. So uh, even sometimes uh, compare it to some bigger distribution companies when they were only starting like with City Baby with Derek Sirius <laughs> when he was the head and he was managing everything himself and more personal approach so working with you is always interesting because you can assist with some questions and you oversee everything so that's pretty cool but right now what are the key countries and locations of the artists you work with currently Well, in terms of artists uh, and clients' labels, well, the split is roughly, I would say, 30% USA, 30%, well, 20% or 30% France, and yeah, UK, maybe 10%, 20%, and rest of the world, the remaining ones. But we do also have some yeah, close relationships with um, artists from Africa, especially from West Africa. And yeah, these are interesting projects because these artists 
or their labels want to expand overseas, and they decided to do it through digital, generally mm -hmm. speaking, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which could be yeah. online, social media, digital distribution, whatever. Yeah. What's, you know what's interesting? I just asked you about the location of your artist, but have we ever mentioned that JTV Digital is based in Paris? I'm not yeah. sure. No, I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's, it's based in France. Yeah. But surprisingly, we don't have that many... Well, maybe also because the website is in English, <laughs> but we, <laughs> we don't have that many French users because, well, in France, there is a big uh, digital distributor who is yeah, already having a, um, a big market share. So uh -huh, it's uh -huh, quite uh -huh. a, kind of hard to compete. And well, and to be honest, I don't really have the intention to compete with them, especially. Mm -hmm. it's more, I try to have a more global view of things. Yeah, that makes sense. Great. Yeah. So there is a number of things I'd like to discuss with you. And I always like to learn some new trends uh, in the licensing, uh, publishing, and of course, distribution areas. But right now, the distribution direction is uh, the key one, is the main uh, focus of JTV Digital. So what's the latest? Uh, can you mention maybe some platforms that have been added to the list of supported uh, retailers, for example, uh, lately, or just... Uh, Yeah, I think it could be a good start to this conversation. Yes. So the most recent ones that were added are, um, well, actually, it's an aggregator named uh, WDA. It's a US-based uh, aggregator who are specialized in mobile content. And so they aggregate content for a lot of mobile operators everywhere in the world. So not only in the US. And so... I think that's an interesting one because from one delivery channel, from the user perspective, you can reach dozens of mobile operators, uh, music services. And um, yeah, so this one was integrated recently. Uh, we also added uh, K-Digital Media, which is um, a Korean company. And it's more or less the same principle. It's a local aggregator and they work with several local music stores in Korea, but also in uh, surrounding uh, countries. And what was interesting in their um, project, in their offer, is that they are not only focused on Korea, they are expanding in the whole Asian region. So meaning that ultimately delivering content to this local aggregator would allow our clients to reach Yeah, a certain number of countries in Asia, like uh, Thailand, Vietnam, Japan, uh, and so on. So, and uh, lately we added uh, YouTube uh, Music Key, which is still in, in beta version. So it's not accessible from every country yet, which is basically the music-focused new service launched by uh, YouTube. So now our users can push their content to this new service. Mm, yeah, that's, I think, one of the most interesting uh, yeah. additions to the listeners because uh, there is a lot of excitement and hype around it. And uh, yeah, it's been a while since YouTube announced its plans. Do you have anything uh, to share on that platform? What's your thoughts about the success of the platform in the nearest future? Well, honestly, it's hard to tell because... There are already a lot of streaming 
services, well, most of these are audio focused like uh, Spotify or Deezer, working on a mixed model with a free offer and a paid offer with subscription. But historically, YouTube has always been used to by people, not especially music fans or whatever, people in general to search and listen to stuff, not only to watch videos, which is interesting. It's like, for example, I remember some of stats I see. In France, there are more than 50% of music searches that are happening on YouTube. So more than 50%, it's a big share of the market, Mm -hmm. meaning that it's a massive amount of traffic potentially. Mm-hmm. And it's potentially a massive amount of uh, users for this new service. We'll see, but yeah, they are starting from a big uh, user base at least. Yeah, that's a big advantage that uh, YouTube has indeed. But we'll keep an eye on it because it's still interesting. And this whole game of streaming services becomes uh, more and more interesting. And uh, the, the space becomes more competitive, more players. And some of the bigger players have been going through some issues lately, like uh, Spotify, we've uh, getting quite a lot of bad press and maybe anything you'd like to comment on on that? Yeah, honestly, it's hard to tell if it's only um, a way to, if this kind of positions taken by uh, Taylor Swift management, a way to do some additional publicity for a latest album, or if it is really something they are convinced you know, often something they really believe that um, the music shouldn't be on Spotify or these kind of services. So, but at least, even if it's not doing on purpose, but it's a real nice uh, PR move because everybody is talking about Taylor Swift now, even the mainstream press, which certainly uh, would have been different with a, without this uh, story around streaming. It would have been just another major release, but nothing else. And uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they announced that it was more about uh, the ability to stream uh, the music for free. So they still released the music, the album, the streaming services, but the ones uh, who offer only streaming to paid subscribers. So maybe that's the case, but... uh, so do you think the, the streaming platforms will stick to this freemium model where it's possible to stream music if you are not paying a member? Honestly, I, I don't know. There are a lot of, I think, strategic discussions going on at the moment between these services and the major labels and the right owners. But what we've seen over the past years is that what people want is free. So give them free, I would say. Then the question is, how do, as, a, as an industry, how do you monetize free? That's a good question. So until now, the easiest way to do it is to place ads. And most of the offers were built like this. is like you have a free plan, which is where you can sometimes have to listen to ads. And then if you want to stop the ads, you have to pay. Plus usually uh, a couple of additional functionalities that you get if you pay the subscription. But I always do the analogy with a radio. When you listen to radio, you don't pay. You get ads. And nobody is really pissed off about that. But the same people are extremely, apparently, extremely unhappy to hear ads on 
Spotify or Deezer or YouTube or yeah, well, on YouTube they watch the ads, and there's a kind of yeah disconnections between you know this consumer. Maybe these are not the same consumers, but at least me as a listener or yeah music consumer, I don't mind getting ads sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. doesn't hurt that much as long as you don't get ads every two minutes. But you know what I mean. If that's a way to monetize music services and ultimately build something that is um, working, why not? But that would mean increasing the number of users in order to increase the price of the ads for the advertisers so that these services can be viable. Yeah, well, and you you mentioned YouTube and we talked about the new streaming platform, but what about the actual YouTube as a place where the videos are shown and oftentimes music videos and there is a lot of content created by users where music is used. So what about the income from that channel? We get asked about this all the time. And for example, artists are curious, what are the payouts from videos? Uh, if I get a hundred thousand views, how much can I earn on my own content and things like that? Because It depends on numerous factors from what I can tell, but can you get a bit of insight on that direction, earning money on YouTube? Well, first, it doesn't depend on the number of views. views. It depends on the number of people that will either watch the ads or when in the case of pre-roll ads or that will click on the ads that appear on the videos. So the money really comes from the ad advertisement, not from the views, which can be a bit different on other services, video services, but on YouTube, it's from generated from the ads. So then you can speculate on, you know, try to do some simulation and how many people click on the ads based on how many people watch the videos and all that. But it's really hard to say this number of views equals this amount of money because you never know <laughs> actually you know if people will click or not on the ads but it, it, can... it depends on, on the audience as well i think because yeah. the different demographics act differently exactly. with advertisements so it's interesting but this exactly. is a very important point because the artists oftentimes assume that it actually depends on the amounts of use so yeah yeah i got it but And, but you but you can it is possible to calculate this by doing some uh, assumptions Because sometimes you have some data that is uh, publicly communicated. You can see that, uh, I don't know, this uh, big uh, star has done 1 billion views. And then you learn that uh, the label earned that amount of money. So you can try to, you know, calculate approximately one view equal how many uh, cents or, you know, <laughs> but... Yeah, but can you still drop some approximate numbers from your experience? Uh, yeah, I have this somewhere. <laughs> well, even if, uh, yeah, if it can yeah. be very general, average. Well, it's it's a few, yeah, micro cents, I would say. It's much lower than uh, Spotify or, you know, services like this. But no, honestly, I don't have any number, exact number. And it, it wouldn't be really relevant because it can vary. Yeah, lot. yeah, of course, um, definitely. No, I can find some and, and send it over to you later on if you want to check, but it's really, and it wouldn't be relevant to say, to give a number because 
yeah, there is no one-to-one -one relationship. But you can guess that, yeah, after a certain number of views, you can expect roughly that amount. Yeah, well, but the, the big difference of YouTube and the streaming services is that video content can generate much more views than a song can generate listeners, listens on Spotify, and you can monetize different types of content, obviously. Yes. It's not supposed to be just the music. But JTV Digital supports YouTube monetization and the... So can you tell me a bit about the content ID system and how this whole thing works? Because also we covered this a little bit yeah. on the uh, podcast in the past, but still a bit of introduction and maybe a bit more advanced stuff as well. So how it works? Yeah. So what, what is called Content ID is an algorithm that is run by uh, on the Google YouTube servers and it identifies the audio used on the videos that are hosted on their network. So basically, the ID, it came from a, there was a legal case with Qualcomm a few years ago where there was a you know copyright battle and so YouTube had to set up something to compensate the right holders when the music was used on the user users videos this is what is called a user generated content UGC so they have a system to identify what audio what music is used on the videos and then based on this identification right holders can be compensated. So the a fraction of the money from the ads goes to the right holders. Can be the major labels, can be the collecting societies and so on. So yeah, technically how it works is that uh, labels or distributors or well people who own some and deliver some content, they deliver some audio files to YouTube, to Google that are used to create uh, audio fingerprints that are stored in a database. And every time there is a match between what is on YouTube and what is in this uh, content uh, identification database, it triggers copyright notice mm -hmm. on the, the video from the, the person who uploaded it, saying, for example, uh, this content is administrated by, uh, I don't know, uh, Universal Music or whoever else. And um, this is how uh, labels and uh, right owners monetize their content by sending audio fingerprints. These fingerprints are stored and it is identified with a matching system with the content that is uploaded on YouTube. And you as a service allow to create such fingerprints and all the music that is submitted through JTV Digital, if such an option is turned on or picked, then uh, all the all your clients are in this system, is it correct? Yeah, at the moment we don't do this on a large scale, but clients can do it. They can. There is an option that people can purchase and saying, I want uh, this song to be monetized on YouTube. But in a few months... It will be available directly from the system interface and um, people will be able to do it on all their releases uh, much more easily than today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's good to know. And uh, so such as a question, uh, I've got my own account. I upload my own music, a video with a song. Maybe it's, it's just an artwork with a song. And uh, I connected my Google AdSense account to be able mm -hmm. to monetize my own videos. 
And I also distribute music through JTV Digital, and I turn this option on to monetize uh, the music on YouTube. So how exactly will I be able to monetize this video uh, myself, or will it be done through you and uh, through the system? So h- how will it work? Yeah, well, basically, you, you always have two options when you use some um, YouTube monetization services. The easiest option is to let the distributor uh, do the monetization and collect all the um, the ad revenue from all sources, including your own channel. Then you can see it in your uh, analytics and in your reports and all that. The other option is to ask the service provider, so the distributor, to whitelist your channel, so your own channel, so that you can monetize your the videos that you upload on your channel um, yourself with your mm-hmm. AdSense account. But you can do, I mean, you can do both. You can have everything monetized by the distributor or everything except your own channel. Mm-hmm, everything mm-hmm. meaning the user-generated content. That makes sense. And so, I, as I know, it's, uh, it's still possible to not just uh, monetize the user-generated content, but also to block it and uh, to tell YouTube to remove it. So from your, your experience, is it something that is happening often uh, these days by major labels? Uh, is there a big number of takedown notices coming from publishers? Often, I, w- I wouldn't say that often because, because of the content ID system that allows them to monetize their catalog. So if they do this, they do this still sometimes block uh, content ask to be re- removed it's a loss of revenue but they do it for other reasons like uh, for example the one of the right owners doesn't want the music uh, to be used on this video or something like that but ultimately it's still a loss of potential revenue for them to block videos or music content on, on youtube it's like taking down music from spotify or you know <laughs> Yeah, so it's something something else that is uh, slightly related. I've got a video and uh, it doesn't contain my music, but I use the snippets of a song by a not so well-known artist, but that artist later on may get a, a new distribution deal. All uh, his uh, musical, his back catalog is monetized on YouTube and I got a notification that uh, there are ads placed on my video for I didn't have them in the past or maybe I monetize I tried to monetize this video myself is there a way to dispute this decision or just somehow affect if uh, or maybe contact the right holders and ask them to remove uh, the ads from this video or it's too difficult or just uncommon no it's not difficult it's just that yeah, from on YouTube, from your video manager area, when you receive, a, you have a, a menu named copyright notices, something like that. When you receive copyright notices, you can dispute it. You can say, no, I reject the claim. And you can even write something, a comment. But as long as it's not your music content, well, you can still reject it, but it will be claimed again. And... You know, ultimately, you have no other choice than letting the ads uh, appear because it's not your content. It's the content owned by someone else and so monetized by another entity. So which is the the principle of all these uh, content ID and uh, user-generated 
content monetization is that yeah yeah when well people, yeah it makes sense yeah when you use copyrighted material okay you accept that ads are placed on it and that some of the ad revenue is uh, passed on to uh, the right holders yeah yeah well that makes sense are there any other video networks that you'd like to mention that you see uh, just growing actively or maybe introduce systems similar to the youtube one with content id is there anything happening with vimeo for example do you know anything about that not much i'm not really using it uh, to be honest i think it's a good uh, video network especially for um, showcasing some i think it's more for content creators in general than focused on music it's mm -hmm. yeah for i don't know movie makers or you know documentaries something like that it's it's a really good platform and the, the, the video quality is usually very good as well But it's not that much music-focused than YouTube could be. Well, YouTube uh, is not only music, but yeah, historically, a lot of people use it for listening to music. So, Yeah, I think Vimeo did a big advertising campaign recently and uh, trying to promote it more as a user-generated uh, video, as a platform uh, for regular people who can uh, shoot something on their phone on, on the streets and upload it yeah. similar to YouTube. So it's interesting if uh, there will be more lower quality and just user-generated content that is random with uh, kittens and puppies and something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, handsome music as well, because how can it be that kittens go without any uh, soundtrack? Mm. So we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's just something interesting. Anything that you uh, it can mention about uh, Vivo because I know that you've been working with that platform yeah. and uh, it's for some artists it, it's very interesting because this is what is used by major labels so what about Vivo and what's the point of being there well the point is that it's the one of the largest uh, video networks in, in the world so right after YouTube and it's also deeply linked with youtube because when you are on youtube you can when you search on youtube you also find um, vivo content but not only on youtube you can find vivo content on a lot of other uh, web portals like uh, yahoo and things like that because the, the vivo content is syndicated on a lot of um, partners services they have so in terms of audience and in terms of uh, reach is very interesting to be there mm -hmm. and it does not prevent you from having your own youtube channel as well in parallel but if you look at how the major labels do it usually you have on youtube you have two channels you have the normal youtube channel from the artist with a kind of a random content like uh, you know i don't know short videos or live videos something like that which are not that good sometimes in terms of quality but that can be appealing for fans and yeah. you have content tempt uh, vivo that is uh, all the official content so the official music videos which can be official uh, live concerts or whatever and yeah that's how it's organized usually and even when you go to the standard youtube channel from an artist you see the vivo videos because it's configured to be appearing through the playlist on the yeah. artist channel. But how are they and monetized these videos? And sorry for interrupting you. You can monetize it 
exactly well on youtube you monetize it exactly in the same way as you do for regular youtube video with the content id system and on the vivo network it's uh, monetized directly by vivo uh, with the same principle with uh, ads which can be pre-roll ads or you know ads appearing on the video something like that but the way vivo calculates the revenue in terms of monetization is a bit different. It's not only based on the ads, it's also mixed with the number of views and all that. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's a bit better in terms of uh, revenue. If you take the same number of views on uh, YouTube and on Vivo, you would probably have m more money from Vivo. Mm -hmm. But it's, yeah, it's difficult because it's uh, always yeah, linked together because Vivo videos are appearing on YouTube as well. So... Yeah. So basically, if I'm not mistaken, the idea of Vivo is being these syndicates. So one, uh, so a video is shown on different platforms, but the stats are recorded for in one place, and uh, and it's uh, it's one one place where you can monetize it. So it's easy, especially for big labels and the artists. But it's really interesting, and for indies as well. And uh, I think it adds a little bit of this feeling of it just uh, looks good when you're on mm -hmm. Vivo oftentimes uh, but so how does an artist get onto a Vivo so do you have this uh, offering uh, yeah. at JTV uh, yeah we can create um, it's done on, on request well case by case it's not something standard but we can because everything is yeah most of the process is manual but we can request the creation of a Vivo channel. So the, a Vivo channel is exactly how it appears on YouTube is exactly the same as a YouTube channel. So you have the same constraints and the same kind of uh, material to supply, like uh, the artist picture, the header, and all that. So you need to supply all this information and all these uh, graphics. You can display your bio, you can display your links to social networks and all that. So, yeah, we create, well, we request uh, Vivo channels to be created, and then we can upload your videos to the Vivo network. Mm -hmm. And it will appear on Vivo, on the vivo.com website, and mm -hmm. also on the, the, the YouTube Vivo channel corresponding to it. Yeah, that's good to know. And by the way, so speaking about <coughs> profiles of artists on different platforms so i know that some platforms do offer these and to offer customization options but sometimes it's not very obvious for artists how to set up a profile on spotify or deezer or, or whatever so what platforms uh, to support these and how do you go about customizing a profile on different platforms is it something that you can do directly or through a distributor no you uh, well, on Spotify, you can do it directly. You need to look at the website they have created uh, named uh, Spotify for Artists. They explain how to get your Spotify profile uh, verified. That's how they call it. And so you fill in a form asking for your, well, it asks for a couple of um, information to identify who you are, if you are the artist, if you are the manager, whatever. And then after a couple of takes a couple of weeks, usually. You can get your profile verified. So it allows, for example, to link it to uh, different third-party services like uh, Ben Page or something like that, or 
where you, you can have your tour dates displayed on your Spotify uh, page and that kind of stuff. So it's quite useful to get it verified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And I, I, and I think uh, just while we're on that, I think it allows to access analytics as well. Is it the case? Well, honestly, I haven't used it as an artist, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, you probably can have some additional features. Uh, I think, yeah, there, there are some analytics. Well, yeah, uh, never mind. So, so what so what's yeah. about the other platforms? So on the other platforms, you have uh, Deezer, where you can have your profile uh, enhanced, I would say, with a picture, with a biography, with some links to your Twitter or Facebook. But that's not something you can ask directly. You need to ask your distributor to do it or your record label who have a deal with uh, Deezer. So, but that's quite a straightforward process as well. So the same principle, you supply uh, the pictures, the links, the editorial information, and then your distributor will pass on the information to Deezer and they will update your profile. It takes a couple of days, usually. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good to know because I think it's crucial that an artist has a consistent uh, image and brand and profile on different platforms and streaming platforms are very important just as social networks. Because if if your fan prefers Deezer, you need to be there and you need to look good there. So any other platforms you have in mind where you have such options? I'm just curious myself because nothing comes to mind right away. Well, you can do more or less the same uh, on iTunes, but you need to go through your label or your distributor as well. So you can add picture, you can add some photo gallery and something like that. But yeah, well, mainly it's uh, this kind of uh, Customization can be requested mainly on uh, yeah, Deezer, Spotify, iTunes. And well, in any case, you have to focus on the bigger services. So, Yeah, so, something just very related to this topic. I got asked this by the artist. So how do I get features on iTunes or on yeah. another platform? So uh, obviously, it's an editorial decision made mm-hmm. by the platforms, but maybe you can reveal how it's done from your experience and uh, how you can help uh, the editorial departments of uh, streaming platforms or stores to at least be noticed by them somehow. Yeah, well, as, as you mentioned, it's really their decision. So there is no way to... I've seen some funny things around that. I know there are people or who think that you can pay to be featured or something like that, but it's not the way it works. It's really up to them to decide who they want to feature. Artists can be featured because there is a marketing partnership, for example, between the platform and the label, or just because the label, well, the, um, the platform content manager likes the music and wants to showcase it. It really depends, but basically... The, the criteria for them to decide would be they will look at your online presence and on your fan base. So they will check how many, well, they will want to know how many, for example, Facebook friends or well, Facebook likes you have, how many followers on Twitter, how many uh, YouTube views. Uh, well, they will look at the numbers to see what kind of artist profile they have and who is your label? Who is your distributor? Do you have any news like uh, touring, you know, shows, something happening, a new release? And these are all these 
criterias that will be taken into account to decide to feature you or not. So this is the kind of information uh, you, well, or through your, your label or your distributor, you have to send over to them. But it's I sometimes have requests from people who want to be featured, but they have nothing to offer, meaning they have no online presence or nothing relevant. They have no fan base. or you know, So it's, it's just a waste of time. You can still send stuff, but it will never be featured because there is no no interest for these platforms to feature someone that is not visible already. Well, but at least it's good to know that you can at least submit a press release. I mean, if uh, there is a possibility on some platforms to do this, to connect, to reach out to the editorial departments, it's at least something because in some cases you can be somewhat confident in the chances of uh, being featured if you have really a reason that but uh, yeah i think it's just not something that uh, artists should uh, be focusing on a lot uh, just building the audience is important and uh, having the music on all the stores and platforms so your fans can access it where it's comfortable for them convenient for them it's the most important thing and uh, if you're worth it in the opinion of uh, itunes or other platforms then they will feature you so yeah it's good that it's on the editorial department and if we saw it only being like paid for we would see an itunes homepage being filled with some uh, yeah. weird stuff i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, well, um, so uh, there is uh, a bunch of other things that uh, I would like to discuss with you at the same time. I really like this kind of direction that we've taken with the uh, different platforms and YouTube and streaming and so on. Uh, but uh, yeah, so what happens with uh, some uh, other formats, maybe a non digital one. We've just had this uh, brief discussion with you about vinyl because uh, news appear every week or every month at least that uh, the sales of vinyl records increase. Do you have any infos or insights on physical sales and physical products like vinyl? Yeah, actually uh, I'm in the middle of uh, something related to vinyl at the moment because one of the bands I'm Publishing and uh, working actively working with is um, repressing a, a vinyl record, and it's really hard to find a factory with a decent uh, manufacturing timelines for pressing vinyl because there is a huge demand, and there are not that many places where you can manufacture vinyl records. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at different countries in Europe, in that case, I will do the pressing in Germany, but it could be done in UK or, yeah, you have some pressing um, factories in every country, but they are all full because mm-hmm. there is a lot of demand from artists, labels. Uh, and what we've seen is that in terms of, um, well, I would say merchandising, it's not exactly merchandising, but in terms of selling stuff at shows, you will sell much more vinyl than CDs if you try to sell some records after your shows. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of stories like this from different artists with different type of audience. Since they started to offer vinyl at their shows, they sell mm-hmm. some records. When they were offering CDs, nobody was interested. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting. And I'm curious how many fans of these fans actually have 
turntables uh, to play back these That's records? That's a very good question. I think there are probably people who don't have turntables who buy uh, vinyl just because of its, it's a beautiful object. But you won't buy a CD because it's beautiful. It's just a plastic stuff that you will, you know. And, but I can understand yeah, yeah, yeah. someone who will buy a vinyl for the beauty of the product. Yeah. Even if they don't have any way to listen to it. Yeah, and then the, and he becomes merchandise exactly. So yes, it's it's, uh, it's it's closer to merchandise than an actual record, even if it's a record. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I got your yeah. point. Interesting, interesting insights on that. Okay, great. I just realized that we've been talking for uh, quite a, quite a bit right well, now. Is there <laughs> yeah. any? Uh, I mean, I really enjoy it, and uh, I appreciate your insights. Is there anything else you'd like to highlight from the recent news or events? Uh, something that uh, you'd like your artists that you work with uh, to know, or just to answer a question that you get asked a lot in the last weeks? Well, I don't have any specific topic from the news but more generally what i would say is that what i would advise artists and their management to do is to educate themselves a lot from different sources from nowadays you can access information everywhere on different websites blogs like your blog or you know digital music news whatever so i would advise them to stay up to date with the latest industry news and really almost on a daily basis to really know what's going on in there. Because after all, they are into making music, so they have to know what's happening in their environment. And also really try to educate themselves about all the questions around copyrights, publishing, yeah, distribution, all these things, and which would help them to make their own opinion when they see some news in the press mm -hmm. or, you know, online press or paper press, whatever. Because when you see people saying, okay, uh, streaming is bad, it doesn't pay, then at the same time you have other managers or other artists saying, no, I support streaming. Or you, as an artist, you're kind of lost. So, you, you know, you don't know who to listen to. So yeah. when you don't know who to listen to, try to listen to yourself and to educate yourself so that you can analyze all these pieces of information and see where the, what is about PR, what is uh, really uh, real information and try to make your own opinion on things. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, indeed. Brilliant, brilliant. I really like this advice. Educating yourself is very important. And this is one of the ideas of this podcast as well. So I hope the listener got some interesting uh, facts and ideas and information from this conversation. I really appreciate all the info from you, Jeremy. And uh, I'm linking to uh, your social media profiles and the JTV uh, digital website, of course, in the show notes. So everyone can check okay. it out cool. anytime. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, people can reach out to you via the contact form with uh, any questions. You reply yeah. directly, correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. That's, I think, uh, yeah, it's something that... I would take use of because uh, this opportunity to talk to the founders of uh, such a company and to establish this connection because it's uh, pretty important who you work with uh, distributing your music to the stores and so on. So, yeah, definitely if you have any 
questions, then feel free to reach out to Jeremy with the questions. So once again, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk to you yeah. again on this show sometimes. Sometime <laughs> okay. Next year. Great. Thanks, yeah, Andrew. So, thank you. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 